0: Hi, I'm Danny Simon, and I lead the New Life Fellowship Church here at Manipal. I'm so glad that you tuned in with us today to listen to our audio podcast. Do subscribe so that you can tune in every week. You know, I believe that a spoken word can change lives. And my prayer and my hope is that as you listen to today's message, it will change your life as you know it. Enjoy the message. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, even though we are few people, we know the angels of heaven are with us, worshipping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we want to thank you, Lord, that uh, you're going to speak to our hearts, you're going to minister to us, Father. And I pray that you will give us the grace to uh, receive the word in our spirits, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just want to, I've I'm, I'm been doing a series of message titled as The Enemy's Trap in the Church back in Mangalore. I've already finished about seven messages in that. And um, uh, today I want to just give you the introduction, the first message. Uh, what is the enemy's trap, you know, that I'm talking about? You know, all of us have been offended or wounded or hurt at some point in our life. You know, if you are a human being who is living on this earth, you will definitely get hurt. You know, you will definitely get offended. It could be by our family members. It could be people in the church. It could be uh, friends wherever we are. Anybody. You know, we will definitely get hurt. Now what happens is uh, these Offenses, these wounds that we go through experience The hurts that we experience Satan uses them as a trap in our life You know, in fact, let me put it this way Offense is one of the most deadly and deceptive trap of Satan That has kept countless people of God or children of God in bondage And what happens is If we don't deal with these offenses in our life, if we don't deal with these hurts in our life, you know, it will stop us from being productive. It will stop us from being uh, successful in our life. You know, many times we allow those wounds and those hurts to uh, dwell in our life for a long time. Let me take you to a passage, Luke's Gospel chapter 17 verse 5. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Now, the the disciples or the apostles are asking the Lord at this point, they said, Lord, uh, please increase our faith. Help us to grow in our faith. And this is during the latter part of the ministry of Jesus, this happens. You know, by this time... The disciples had already, seen the Jesus, had already seen Jesus raising the dead. He had, they have seen Jesus healing the sick. They have seen him feed a few thousands with uh, you know a few loaves of bread and fish. They have seen him open the deaf ears, you know, heal the blind eyes. They have seen him make the lame walk, even calm the life-threatening storm. But. It was none of these miracles that they had seen that made the disciples cry out to Jesus and say, Lord, increase our faith. Let me take you to the previous verses. Uh, Verse 3 and 4, Luke's Gospel, chapter 17. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, Forgive him if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. You know, when Jesus makes the statement that every time your brother offends you or hurts you, you got to forgive him, uh, it hit the disciples like a hammer. And they realized that this was not easy for them to do. And that's why they cried out to the Lord and they said, Lord, help us to increase our faith to do this. The disciples recognized without faith from God, they cannot let go, they cannot forgive their brother. Now, the same chapter Luke's gospel Chapter 17 The first verse Jesus says to his disciples That it is impossible That no offenses Should come You know what Jesus is saying is It's impossible for the fact That we will not be offended I want to ask a question Is there anyone here Who has never been hurt Or offended in your life By anyone else If you are You are not on this earth Okay Okay If you are on this earth, we will all be offended. You know, the original Greek uh, word for offense is bait. And bait is a trap that is used to, uh, uh, to catch small birds and animals. In the same way, offense is the bait or the trap that Satan uses... To pull a child of God into bondage or captivity. You know, how does Satan get us into bondage? He uses these hurts. He uses these offenses. And quite often, a child of God or a believer does not realize that they have fallen into this trap of the enemy when they get offended. You know, we may never realize when we when somebody hurts us, and we carry that hurt deep inside us. We dwell on that hurt. We do, we don't realize that we have fallen into the trap of the enemy. Satan created a trap, and we just fell into that trap. You know, Paul, Apostle Paul, confirms the same when he writes to Timothy, Second Timothy, Chapter Two, Verses Twenty Four to Twenty Six. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel, instead he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Now I want you to focus on verse 26, that they will come to their senses. Paul says, they will realize what they will realize and escape from the trap of the devil. That's what Paul says. They will realize that they have been trapped and they will come to this and escape the who has taken them captive. Satan has taken them captive to do his will. Now, you know what Paul is telling Timothy is, okay, he says, those who are in opposition to you or those who have been offended or those who have been hurt by one another, you know, say Paul is saying they have been trapped. So gently try to talk to them and make them understand so that they will come to their senses that they have been trapped by the devil and they have been taken captive by the devil to do his will. You know, once the enemy takes us as captives, we become his slaves and we will end up doing what the devil wants us to do. You know, what's the scary thing? The scary thing is those who have fallen into this trap of being offended are not even aware of it. They have not realized that they have fallen into this trap. And that's why Apostle Paul writes in this, hopefully they will come into their senses. Hopefully their eyes will open to the reality of what they have fallen into. See, they, they you know, if they knew... An offended person, if he knows that he has fallen into the devil's trap, then he will not stay there. See, now what has happened is the devil or the enemy has blinded people so much. The sad reality is, majority of them who have been offended have not realized that they have fallen into this trap of offense. You know, when a hunter wants to catch an animal, he lays a trap. And when he lays a trap, it's not visible to the animal. It's hidden. We know if it's visible, if the trap is visible, the animal will escape. It will run away. And that's exactly what Satan does. He's no different. He's very cunning. He's very shrewd. The way he uses us to get into captivity will be something that is very subtle. We will not even realize and that trap is being offended. You know, we are living, uh, these are days, last days, seasons and last days. The second coming of Jesus is very close. Everything is pointing towards that. If you go to Matthew's gospel chapter 24, Jesus is talking about a second coming over there and then he lists out what are the things that would happen Before his second coming. You know, let me take you to verse 10. Matthew 24 verse 10. And then it says over there. And then it says, then many. You know, the original Greek language, many indicates a large number of people. It's a large number of people. You know, and what it says is, and then many will be, what it it says over there. And many will be offended. So in the last days, a large number of people are going to be offended. And then what happens? After they are offended, they will betray one another. And after that, they will hate, begin to hate one another. I want you to look at the progression that's happening over there. Once you are, first it starts with getting offended. That's the first place that is going to happen. You know, once we are offended, the next thing that happens is it's going to lead us into betrayal. And if we don't deal with that betrayal, finally it will lead us to hatred. Where does hatred come from? It starts with getting hurt, it starts with getting wounded and offended. You know, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19 says, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. You know, the author of Proverbs is King Solomon. During his time, the cities would have strong walls around the city so that, you know, it mainly it is to keep out those people who were against or were not the nice ones, to keep them out. Now, Solomon says an offended brother has built strong walls around him and he will not allow others to come in. You know, when we come into the New Testament, these walls are called as strongholds. You know, strongholds are in the spiritual realm, what walls are in the physical realm. You know, when you come into the spiritual realm, they are called as strongholds. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to to the flesh. As people of God, as believers, as children, we got to understand this. You know, see, we we do not battle it out in the flesh. You know, your fellow brother or your fellow sister or anybody, they are not our enemies. We don't war according to the flesh. We got to be aware. One thing, very important, we got to be aware is we are in a constant spiritual war. We are at war constantly, and that is in the spiritual realm. But what the enemy does with us is, most of the times, is he makes, uh, he, he he deceives us into thinking that another person is our enemy, and we end up fighting with them. They are not our enemies. Our battle is in the spiritual realm. We fight the battle in the spiritual realm. If we don't know who is our true enemy, we will be fighting the wrong person and we will end up losing the battle. So we got to know, it says we do not war against flesh and blood. Then it says, for though we walk in the, we do not war according to the flesh. In other words, you might find your friends in the world, you might find people in the world you know, with all kinds of you know fights or whatever, disagreements and misunderstandings and all those things. Listen, we are not called for that. We are not called to be part of that. That is not what we are called. We are not called to war according to the flesh. Then he goes on to say, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Since they are are powerful weapons and those weapons God has given us to pull down the strongholds, pull down those walls. What are those walls? He goes on to say, you know, verse 5, he goes on to say, you know, casting down arguments. Literally casting down arguments means every reasoning. So where does the reasoning occur? It occurs in our mind. And every high thing that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Where is knowledge? Again, it's in our mind. Where do our thoughts occur? It occurs in our mind. So you look at it, reasoning, thoughts and knowledge, they all occur in our mind. That is interesting. So now what are strongholds? You see strongholds, it says pull down every stronghold. In other words, every reasoning, every idea or thought processes that are contrary to the word of God or to the will of God, we bring it down. We knock them out. We cancel them in our life. You know, somebody might come up to you and tell you things that do not agree with the word of God. You know, and you need to know if you keep holding on to that. Let's say somebody comes up to us and say, Hey, you know, today people are very conscious of their looks. You know, they're very, very conscious and for them it's very important that they need to get that approval from their peer group, you know, from their friends. Now let's say some of your friends walk up to you and say, you're not good looking, you're not beautiful, you know. And then if you are going to believe that, you're going to believe that over a period of time, that becomes a stronghold in our mind. Now, we need to understand what does the Bible say? About you. You know Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. In the image of God. And God looked at us when we were formed in our mother's womb. And then he said perfect. Doesn't need correction. It doesn't need to be redone. It doesn't need any retouch. You know God says you are beautiful. You are beautiful. You are the apple of my eye. That is what God says. Now now you see, what you know this is what God says, this is what the word of God says. But if you are believing what the world says about you, that will become a stronghold. You need to break down that stronghold. And you need to believe and tell yourself, no. I believe what the word of God says. I'm going to fill my mind with what the word of God says. The world might tell you it's impossible. You cannot do that. What does the word of God say? All things are possible to the one who believes. You get that? So pull down that thought. Pull down that stronghold which does not agree with the word of God. You see that is so we pull down. You know, God's word is a reflection of God's nature. Now, what is God's nature? God's nature is love. He is love. You know, Bible does not say God is love, but he is love. He is love. And now, the love of God, you know what the love of God does? The love of God always wants to give and give and give. That's what the love of God does. Now, if you remember, if... um, The day when you were born again, the day you accepted the Lord as your Savior. If you would go back to those days, you know, those were days when we were filled with so much of joy. Our heart was bubbling with love for everyone. You know, nobody could hurt us at that time because our heart was overflowing with love. We could love everyone including our enemies. We could forgive everyone including our enemies at that time. And we were on this beautiful journey of walking in the love of God and sharing that love with others, giving that love away to others. Now what happened? After a year or two, after you came to the Lord, after you became a child of God, you became a believer, something happened. Something painful happened. Somebody did something to us that was not very kind. You know, or they spoke Something that was not very kind Or they actually did something that was very painful They spoke behind our back And we got to hear it from somebody else Now who was that person who did it? It was not somebody in the world It was not an unbeliever It was somebody in the church who did that Now what happened? So someone that we really loved You know, we all thought, oh, believers, they're a wonderful bunch of people. They're full of love. They're perfect. They can never go wrong. They never make any mistakes. You know, so we have this great picture. And then all of a sudden, that bubble bursts. You hear this and you're like, how could he speak that about me? How could he do that to me? Isn't he a believer? Isn't he a child of God? And it hurt. It really hurt. You see, you know, one of the things that I have discovered is, the one who can hurt us the most is the one who is closest to us, the one that we love the most. Okay, and I, I always say this enemies can never hurt us because we know our enemies. We know what they can do so we are prepared for that. But we are never prepared to get hurt by someone that we we are very close. And why are we why do we get offended or uh, by people that are close to us? Because our expectations from them is much higher. We expect a lot from them than others. And when we have these expectations, we set up those standards of expectations and when those people do not meet that expectation, then we will really get offended. We will really get offended. You know, imagine uh, I'm working in an office and... um, or maybe I have a classmate. I'm studying. I'm a student. I have a classmate, and my birthday is coming up. And uh, this colleague of mine, or my classmate of mine, who's just a casual friend, a casual acquaintance, so he comes. He says he wishes me on my birthday, gives me a birthday card. I feel I'll feel very happy. I'll feel very excited about it. You know. And I'm says, wow, thanks. Thank you that you remembered my birthday. How thoughtful of it was to give me a birthday card. And I'll come home very excited. And I'll tell my wife, you know what? Today, this colleague of mine remembered my birthday and he gave me a birthday card. And then my wife says, yes, I also remembered. Here's a birthday card for you from me. Tell me. And will I be as excited as I am when my wife gives me a birthday card as my classmate or my colleague? Answer me. Eh? You guys are not married. Okay. I'll be like, okay, thank you. I'll be disappointed. Why? Because... My expectations from my wife for my birthday is much higher than what I would expect from my classmate or my colleague. You you get that? So that is why the one who can hurt us the most is not the sinner, but somebody in the church. Or it could be our life partner, it could be a husband or a wife, or it could be our pastor, you know, because our expectations from these people are always much higher than our expectations from people in the world. You know, David, King David puts it beautifully. Psalms chapter 55 verses 12 to 14. It says, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. He says, that's not a big deal. If a foe were raising himself against me, I could hide from him. He says, that's not a problem. But it is you. A man like myself, my companion, my close friend with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship as we walked with the throng at the house of God. He says, I'm wounded, I'm hurt because it's you, my brother, with whom we had fellowship together. You know, he says, the one who offended me is not my enemy. It was my close friend, someone with whom I went to church together. We listened to the word of God together. We did many things together. He was my brother that I loved so much. I did so much for him. He is the one who is now standing against me. I could have handled it. You know what David says? I could have handled it if it was somebody else in the world. If it was my enemy, absolutely no issue. I could have handled it. But it is my brother. That's what David says. Or perhaps it could be my pastor that I looked up to. I really kept him up there. You know, he was my role model and whose messages, sermons I've been listening for a long time. It could be someone with whom I have gone on long trips. You know, we have done many things together. We confided with each other. We slept together. Closer the relationship, the more severe the hurt. Closer the relationship, more deeper the offense we will find the, That's why we will find the greatest hatred is always amongst the people who are once very close. The most bitterest enemies are those who were once the best of friends. That's why lawyers say uh, the most vicious of all the cases are the divorce cases because once upon a time they really loved each other, and for some reason they parted ways. They began to hate each other, and the hatred is as intense as their love was for each other. See, the truth is only those that we care about can hurt us because we expect more from them because we have given more of ourselves to them. Higher the expectations, greater the fall. You know, the more we expect, the greater. The, the greater is the fall. You know, l- let me give you this illustration. You know, if you see, uh, ground, the ground level is zero expectations. And, um, you know, if I would uh, consider what my friend in the world would do to me at a height of, let's say, one feet is my expectations from my friend in the world. You know, and if it's a fellow brother, it would be much higher. Let's say it's two feet. Now if it is my my life partner, my expectation is a lot more. Let's put it at four feet. And if it's my pastor who is a spiritual leader, it would be at eight feet. Now this friend of mine in the world does something good for me, which is at a height of let's say one and a half feet. He's exceeded my expectations. So I'm very happy. I'm overwhelmed. I'm like, thank you. But the same thing, if it's done by my a brother in the church who from whom I'm expecting at a level of two feet, it is way below my expectations and I will be disappointed. But and the same thing if my life partner does, my husband or a wife does it, where I'm exp- my expectations at four feet, and what they have done is at one and a half feet, I will really get upset. And then if it is my pastor from whom my expectation is at a level of 8 feet i will it i'll be really really disappointed you see that's why you know uh you know we get offended with our spiritual leaders oh he didn't shake hands with me after the church or he didn't acknowledge my talents he didn't recognize my abilities you know that's why uh, most of the offended people in the church will say, I get better treatment in the world outside. They treat me better than the people in the church. People, My friends in the world love me better than the friends in the church. You know, why? Because we don't have expectations from them. When they give it to us, we, feel we are excited. Yes, that is true because our expectations from them is very little. And that's why we say they are so nice people. Okay. Now let's go back to Matthew's gospel chapter 24 verse 10. It says, Then many will be offended and betray one another and they will hate one another. Now what happens is there is a progression. When a person is offended, he begins to build walls around him. When you are hurt, you will build walls, you know. And now... Because they don't, why they build those walls around them is so they do not want to get hurt a second time. And now instead of the love of God that is inside them which wants to give, now they want to protect themselves. You see, they are trying to protect them. It's no longer about giving, now the focus is about to protect what I have got. I have to protect my feelings I have to protect my, my emotions from getting offended. You know, so they, we raise up emotional walls around ourselves. So we become like the dead sea in Israel. Israel has two seas. The Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. The Sea of Galilee receives, but it also gives. That's why the Sea of Galilee is full of life. It's full of fish. But this Dead Sea is a dead sea. Whatever comes in, stays there nothing goes out so there is no life there is no fish in the dead sea they are all dead because there is no life over there you know you know what people say I've been hurt once I don't want to get hurt again once I've been hurt I don't want to get hurt again you know What happens actually when a person says that in their minds, in their thought processes, in their subconscious level, they're raising up walls, emotional walls. And these walls in their mind says, I need to protect myself from getting hurt again. That's what we do. Now our responses begin to change. Earlier, we would go out of our way to love people. Earlier, we would go out of our way to help people. Now, We are trying to protect ourselves. You know, let me give you this illustration to help us understand. Now I'm standing here and there's a friend of mine who walks by and he's wearing those real heavy boots. And, um, you know, I'm not wearing shoes, I'm just wearing a... Uh, a plain uh, slipper or a sandal or something where my legs are exposed and accidentally he steps onto my feet and it's very, very painful. Of course, it was an accident and then he is very profusely apologizing. He says, I'm really sorry about it. I said, it's okay, fine. I also know that it was an accident. I'm not hurt. I'm not offended. But it hurts. It pains. Now, the next time... When this friend comes with the same boots near me, what happens? I will pull my leg back. The memory of the previous hurt. You know, I've pulled my leg back. I'm saying, I don't want to get hurt again. And this is exactly what we all do when we are hurt in our lives. You know, we move away from the place we are hurt at the church. What happens is, somebody has hurt us. We move away from those people who have offended us. Somebody spoke something bad that hurt us. Next time when we see that person, we will move away. And because we are nice people, we don't speak about it, but we move away. We move away from them. You know, We move away from those incidents that have offended us. We do not go, we do not visit the houses of people who have hurt us. We don't want to get hurt again. What are we doing? We are raising those walls around us. And you know what? A person who raises his walls, builds walls like this, is the right candidate for betrayal. You know, let me say this. Uh, most of the people in the church have a very limited understanding of betrayal. Oftentimes when we think about betrayal or we ask what is betrayal, the picture that comes before our mind is the picture of Judas betraying Jesus. Let me explain what betrayal is all about. You know what betrayal is? Betrayal is to seek my protection, my benefit at the expense of my relationship with others. At the cost of my relationship with others, I am trying to protect myself. That is betrayal. You know, actually betrayal is the ultimate abandonment of our relationship. Betrayal is completely abandoning your relationship with the other person. That is betrayal. Now what happens is, when I raise these walls, because I've been hurt, because I've been wounded, and when Things get really rough. And when I'm pushed to the corner, what I try to do at that moment is not trying to save the relationship, but I'll try to protect myself. I'm not bothered about my relationship anymore. Now I'm concerned only about myself. I told you, you see, the love of God is all about giving, giving, giving. You see, Jesus never tried to protect himself because he cared for us, (coughs) because he loved us. And for him, his relationship with you and me was so important that he was willing to die on the cross for that relationship. He never tried to protect himself. You know, in the garden of Gethsemane, when the soldiers came to take him, he says, one word, my father would send legions of angels To fight on my behalf. But what made him go through that is... His desire to have a relationship with you and me. He never tried to protect himself. See, but when I raise walls... I don't care about people anymore. It's now... It's all about me. You know, I, I don't mind. And in the process, when things get really tough... I don't mind... Even betraying others to protect myself. <coughs> and when there is a betrayal, what happens is, it leads to hatred in relationships. That's where it ends up. And do you know what happens? First John chapter 3, verse 15, very powerful verse. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. It starts with getting offended. And when we don't deal with offense, it comes to a place where we begin to betray others to protect ourselves. And finally, it comes to a place where it ends up in hatredness. And the Bible says, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And then it goes on to say, and no murderer has eternal life in him. We can lose our eternal life because we carry Hatred. Where did it all begin? Because we did not deal with the hurts. We did not deal with the offense. You know, and hatred need not be shown externally through anger or rage. We may not show that hatredness outside. What is hatredness? Now sometimes when you tell sometimes you know believers are very diplomatic people. Okay, very diplomatic. Do you hate that? No, 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 I don't hate that brother. I don't hate that brother. You know, if I ask, if somebody has wounded you and ask, do you hate him? No, no, I don't hate that brother. But you know what hatred is? The next one, yeah. Loveless or no love. When we don't have love for that brother, it's nothing but hatred. Or when it's less love, that's hatred. It's being devoid of the love of God. You know, when we don't have the love of God within us, Towards that brother. That's hatredness. The most powerful force in the whole universe. Is the love of God. And you know God is calling the church. To come into that place. To experience that extravagant love of God. You know to come to that place of intimacy. You know hatred may not be seen. It can be hidden. We can cover it up. Oftentimes, in my own life. You know, God had to open up my eyes, expose the hatredness, the bitterness that I carried. Because it was so nicely hidden that even I was not aware of it. That's how, how deceptive man can be. You know, Matthew chapter 24, verse 10, and Then many will be offended, betray one another, hate one another. And then it goes on to say, many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. What follows after that? False prophets rise up. You see, there's what it says, and deceive many people. I told you many means a large number of people. You know, in the last days, because of offense, there's a large number of people that are going to fall into the trap of deception. They're going to be deceived by the enemy. And this is talking to the people in the church. Okay? You know, if you go to verse 4 in that same chapter, it says, you know, uh, when he talks about second coming, Jesus see that no one deceives you. And we read here, it says, the false prophets will rise up and deceive many because deception is going to be rampant. You know, in the book of Timothy, Paul writes, he says, uh, in the church in the last days, they are not only going to be deceiving people, but they are going to be deceiving themselves. The greatest deception is self-deception. They are going to deceive themselves. And what is Jesus telling here is, offense is the breeding ground for deception. If you don't deal, if you and I don't deal with that hurts, those wounds in our life, it will come to a place where we can be deceived. We can fall into self-deception. You know what's the problem with the deception? The person who's deceived really believes that he is right when he's actually wrong. He doesn't know that he's being deceived. Self-deception is the worst thing that can happen because that person who's deceived doesn't realize that he's being deceived. He thinks he's doing it right but actually he's in the wrong direction where did it all start it started with being hurt being offended we did not deal with that and finally ended up over there okay so you know in matthew, matthew chapter 7 verse 15 jesus calls the prophets as wolves in sheep's clothing you know who are these wolves in the sheep's clothing they are people who look for people in the church who have been offended. There are people who are looking for people who have been hurt and who have raised up these walls, who have cut themselves away from the rest of the people. And uh, they become the right candidates to fall into that deception. Now, uh, you know, these wolves are found among the sheep, in sheep's clothing. They look like believers, they look like people of God, they look like children of God. They look very holy and they will come in a very, very spiritual way. They will come to us and say, what do you think about the pastor's message? What do you think about this? You know, did the leaders visit you? Did the leaders care for you? You know, they only want to consider the rich what about you? They try to deceive us. And you know what they do? Their goal, what is their goal? Their goal is to slowly pull you away from the leadership of the church. Their goal is to isolate you from the rest of the sheep, the rest of the flock. You know, when we are together, there is protection for the sheep in the flock. But if these wolves can get to separate The sheep from the flock then they are an easy target. They are meat for their table. You know the most scary thing is we can be part of a large church. Large family and yet we can feel isolated. You know And it happens, isolation happens on the inside, not externally. Why? Because we have built walls around ourselves. We stopped relating with other brothers and sisters. Because we got hurt, we got wounded, we began to keep ourselves away from them. We become an easy target for the enemy. Okay? Uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, it says, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. What happens And then? then slowly the love gets cold. That's very scary. They, this is talking about the God kind of love or the agape love which the world does not have. The day we all accepted Christ as our Savior, you know, we were born again. The Lord filled us with His love. But what is going to happen is in the last days, if we don't deal with the hurts, the offenses, slowly the love of God within us is going to grow cold. That fiery, passionate love for God becomes grow, and it's, it's a very, very gradual thing. That's how the enemy operates. It, it's not overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. Gradually. The love of God grows cold. You know, you take a frog, put it in a bowl of water, and put the bowl, uh, uh, you know, put fire under the bowl, you know, and turn on the temp, you know, turn on the, uh, you know, temperature, you know, turn on the fire and let it begin to boil. You know what happens? The frog will sit there. The frog will not realize that the water is getting hotter and hotter because it's a cold-blooded animal you know it adapts its body begins to adapt to the external temperature and over a period of time the frog will not realize the water is boiling and the frog will die he will not jump out because he doesn't realize but at the same time if you throw the frog into a boiling water he will jump out because it will know the difference that's exactly what happens in our life when the love of God begins to grow cold it will be so gradual that we will not be able to notice that you know that's why it's very important that we guard ourselves from getting offended you know and uh, as Jesus says in the last days it's going to happen Uh, a lot of believers a lot of people are going to be offended And they're going to fall into the trap of the enemy. They're going to fall into the bondage of the enemy. Too many people, I've seen too many people who were once used by God very powerfully have become victims because they did not deal with hurts and offenses. You know, every time we get hurt, every time we get wounded, let's deal with it. Don't keep it there. We got to learn to let it go. We got to learn to forgive. And uh, that's the only way we can go forward. The more we delay forgiveness, the more we delay to let go, we will get destroyed. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Even as the Lord has spoken to us, I'm definitely sure as you were listening, the Holy Spirit would have been opening up your mind, showing people that have hurt you, people who have offended you, and things that you've been holding on for years together, and for a long time, because some of those wounds are very deep, because it was caused by people who are very close to you, people that you looked up to. But this morning, if the Lord is showing anybody like that, you know, I want to encourage you, let go. Forgive them. The Lord's grace is available for you to forgive all those people who have offended you and hurt you. And let's come back to God. Let's not leave any, any backlog of offenses in our life. Very, very dangerous. Let's not leave any backlogs in our life. Let's forgive everyone who's hurt us. The Lord wants us to take us into a place of victory. The Lord wants to give us victory. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, I want to thank you for this wonderful time. Lord, I want to thank you for this precious young people. Thank you for Danny and Anu, Lord. And even as they have taken the step of faith to come to this place of oh God. Lord, in obedience to the voice of God, you're going to honor them, Lord. Just as Abraham stepped out by faith and went into the land of Canaan, and you said you walked through the length and the breadth of this land, I'm going to give this as an inheritance to you and your generations, Lord. And Lord, as they have come into this place by faith, Lord, Lord, they're going to take possession of this place, Lord, as their inheritance, Father, that you have given to them. With eyes of faith, Lord, we see that. And we know, we're going to see many more people, large number of people, turning to the Lord in this place. And these young lives are going to go all over the world as missionaries for you, Lord, carrying the fire of the gospel, Lord, setting nations on fire, Lord, setting cities and towns on fire, Father. Oh, we thank you and we praise you, Father. Lord, I want to thank you for every child that is here, Lord. And I pray, Lord, if anyone is carrying any hurts, any offenses, Lord, pray that you would give them the grace to deal with it and Lord that they would be set free that they would walk in freedom they would walk in liberty that is available for a child of God father thank you give you the glory in Jesus name I pray amen Amen. that really spoke to me and I pray that it spoke to you as well I want you to remember this, it doesn't matter what you're going through and where you're at, our Heavenly Father is always with you. I wanna say this, if you need prayer or you wanna reach out to us, send us an email or DM us on Instagram. You know, let us know if we can serve you in any way. Just a reminder, don't forget to subscribe so that you can tune in with us again and I'm really hoping to see you next week.